This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the New Books Network. So hello to Robin McGrath. Good morning. How are you, Mel? Yeah, here it's almost nighttime, but uh, good oh, wow. morning to Austin, Texas. Yes. And how wonderful to meet you. Um, and I've been really uh, looking forward to it because you wrote a book about a spectacular human being and a musician and a singer. And you, you know, I didn't even have to prompt you. That was really good. Do that again. <laughs> I should work for you. And yeah. here it is, Dolly, the Hi. story of Dolly Parton and the big dream. Yes. She's a, a big few dreamer. words about the book, Robin. Um, let's see. This is a slice of life biography. So it's not birth to now. It's... Um, birth to, you know, through her young childhood um, and how she set out on her dream of performing at the Grand Ole Opry. So that was her first big dream. And so this is about how she got there. It's incredible. And we'll talk about how you got there. Um, so uh, a few words about the illustrator. The, 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 the pictures are beautiful. Thanks. Yeah. I, and the cover. I mean, the cover is just so fun when I saw it. I love the color. Um, but Ellen Surrey is out of LA and she does a lot of like mid-century design, which I'm a huge fan of. So um, when they paired her with the book, I was like, she's perfect for me. Um, so yeah, she has a really interesting style where she paints. I don't even know how to describe it, but she uses tape and paint and then she cuts the tape away to create these like layers. I mean, it's, pretty fascinating so but we yeah can call it tape tapeism yeah and i think there's a word for it but i, I should know but anyways robin now there is. yeah she's really great she's a tapist tapist something like that <laughs> there's tap tapestry and tapestry yeah okay do you, can you open it and show us some of the spreads yeah um so i'll show you my favorite is um you're such a great interviewee. I'm just going to shut up. You know what to do. 
<laughs> you know what to say. Well, I've been listening to your podcast. So I'm like, you know, kind of prepared here. Um, so this is one where they're sitting in the living room and they're listening to music. And um, so every Saturday they crowded around the battery operated radio as a family. And this is where she started to really like, okay, I want to be on the Grand Ole Opry, like the voices I'm hearing. And I just love the family all together. And they look so cozy, having fun. And you, your writing has a lyrical quality to it. It's almost like a song. Uh, can you oh, read, please? You. Yeah. Read us a little bit. Okay. So well, I'll read from there. Okay. Each Saturday, Dolly's family crowded around the battery-operated radio. As Dolly listened to the Grand Ole Opry, her heartbeat quickened. She held her breath on each note, and she felt the lyrics of joy and pain. Dolly began to imitate the country greats whose voices crooned into her living room. Kitty Wells, Patsy Cline, and Johnny Cash, which are like some of my favorites, too. She dreamed of herself on the stage at the Opry, toe-tapping, knee-slapping, belting out country tunes. But people said, you're just a kid and too young for the Opry. Dolly stood tall. She believed she had something to say. Incredible. And then, of course, she goes on as a youngster to appear. Yes. Yeah, so she, you know, her, her and her uncle just kept like hounding them and kept going to Nashville and trying to get her on the show. And then um, I won't give it away, but someone really famous introduces her at the Grand Ole Opry, and that's where she gets her big start. So I have I have a zillion billion questions for you. Um, it, there are other Dolly books for kids. It's mm -hmm. not the only one. Right. Uh, and so why were you prompted to write about Dolly Parton? Well, I felt like the books that have been done, like the one that we've probably all seen in The Code of Many Colors, it's really just her song in pictures. Um, and then the other ones are just, they kind of gloss over like her whole life. And so I wanted to kind of distill it down to like this childhood, <clears throat> excuse me, childhood moment. And that wasn't done. So when I pitched it to my agent, um, you know, I had to ask, like, I, I pitch uh, nonfiction to my agent before I start writing because... I don't want to spend all the energy in writing if they don't think, you know, it's sellable or if they already know someone who's writing it. So, um, yeah, no one had written like that slice of life piece. So wonderful. And um, it's really a story for children about a child named Dolly Parton, uh, which is the one of the things that I, I really like about it. And uh, I would um, recommend to everyone who loves kids and who loves riches to rags to riches stories. Uh, this is a wonderful story. Uh, it's a real story and it's very poignant and, and you tell it in a childish adult way that I really love. You manage to combine and, 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 and some of the words are difficult for young kids and that's terrific. Like you have some really difficult words there. Thank you. And I yeah. find that I find that wonderful that the editors let you use uh, use words that are way beyond the six year old's uh, uh, vocabulary. 
Um, so let's say, let's now go back to the other Dolly Parton, which is Robin McGrath. Tell us about you. Well, I'm a child therapist here in Austin. So oh no 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 start you've watched oh, the show. Oh yes, right. You when, want you when, like when you were it. born in Dallas. Okay. I was born in Houston. Uh, there you go. Raised in Dallas. Now I'm in Austin. So I'm a um, native Texan and lived in all the big cities. And um, it's interesting. I love like you always ask about like childhood, and I try to think of my favorite picture books, and I don't have any from my childhood. I can't think of like picture books. I, the only thing I can think of is I had some books my grandparents bought me that um, they must've come from somewhere that you could put your name in. So they were books about me, my name in them. So it was about my birthday. And I mean, I read those all the time, but other than that, I can't remember like specific books. Um, I remember loving like the secret garden because my mom read that one out loud to me at bedtime. Um, who, who named you Robin with a Y? My parents. What's wrong with an I? Y's got a little fancy. I don't know. And, and you're not Jewish? No. Because this is a thing that Jewish parents do. Okay. Uh, how do I know? Because my name is Melvin with a Y. Oh, interesting. So just just to make you a little special. Did your parents want you to make be special? Did you have 12 other siblings like Dolly Parton? I did not, I was an only child. So, um, and I, they told the doctor I was gonna be a boy. So I think they prepared to have a boy. And then when they had a girl, they were like, oh, um, I don't, yeah, I don't know if it was kind of a last minute thing. So, um, so maybe yeah, that's I, where the why comes from. Maybe it's not, Ro it's not Robin the boy, it's Robin the girl. Right. Boy. Yeah. Maybe that was it. Um, so and yeah, I'm an only child. So, um, you know, spent a lot of time make believe. And, um, I asked a lot of questions. I was a really curious kid. Um, I remember distinctly my dad getting upset with me because I asked too many questions, like stop asking so many questions kind of thing. Um, really? yeah. What kind of questions? I don't know, you know, why is the sky blue or what's, you know, just kind of anything. Um, I still probably ask a lot of questions. <laughs> well, you have two kids now. Do you let them ask a lot of questions? To a degree, yes. Uh, sometimes, I, you know, I have to say, okay, I need a break. But um, yeah, I let them ask because I remember being, you know, kind of told not to ask. So I think it's important to be curious. So, um, so what was the, what did your parents do? How did you get into writing? Well, my, what did my mom, my mom always worked in a dental office. Um, she ran a dental office and my dad was a traveling salesman. So he wasn't there a lot. He was on the road. So it was kind of my mom and I a lot. Um, and yeah, I mean, we read books. I know we read all the time. Um, cause my mom would take me to the bookstore and she'd say, if you leave me alone and let me go look at my books, you can pick any, you can pick a book. So she'd kind of leave me alone in a bookstore, but, um, but yeah, I don't remember. And then writing, I think, um, an undergraduate, I got my major in reading education. And so I had a teacher who really introduced me to picture books and middle grade. And then I read out of the dust 
Um, I don't know if you're familiar with that one. And it just like changed my world. I was like, oh, I want to write just like this. Um, what was the name of the teacher? I wish I could remember. Okay, if you remember, put it in Facebook because it's important. Yeah, and she was an editor at um, one of the big publishing houses at the time. And so I had decided, I was like, I want to be an editor. And so she got me a job interview. And I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to switch over to editing. And then they ended up hiring someone in-house. And she was like, I'm sorry, a little nepotism happens. So that was the end of my uh, editing venture. Your early, your early career. Yeah. So then, so then I was a reading, oh, I was a reading teacher for a while. And then, you know, grew my picture book collection and taught fifth grade and used picture books all the time with fifth graders. They, wow. Fit with fifth graders. Mm-hmm. They loved it. Um, so. No, I'm, was, I'm in favor, but how did you get away with it? I did a lot of, I wrote a lot of my own kind of curriculum for the picture books. So I would um, come up with Give fun me an example. Give me an example. Um, I used a lot of Chris Van Allsburg. Are you familiar with him? He wrote Jumanji. Um, what else did he write? Um, I'm looking up there. I have almost all his collection. So his books are, um, you can do a lot of inferencing with them. Like, well, what do you think is going to happen? And so kids just loved that. And so they would get to like rewrite the endings and, um, you know, create new stories based on his books and pictures. So that was kind of, that was. So somewhere on this planet, there are uh, authors who uh, will cite you as one of the uh, kindling spirits to their writing career. Yeah, maybe. I hope so. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And I did a lot of read alouds with my fifth graders. And um, so then I went and became a school counselor. And then I still was using picture books. And so I was like, you know, one day and I I did start writing um, when I was using those picture books. And but I didn't really get serious again until I had my own kids. Okay. And I, then I what happened? So much. Yeah. Then I hear that from everyone, right? Like I didn't get serious till I had my own kids. Um, cause then I started reading things. I, I, I didn't, I didn't get serious till I had my own grandkids. So See, you're, there you you're, way, you're way ahead of me there. <laughs> yeah. I think you just, you start, um, judging, you know, what you like and what you want to read, you know, cause you're reading so many picture books when you have kids, your own kids and, um, so then I was like, okay, I'm going to get serious about this. So as, as, a, uh, as a parent, were there any uh, picture books that, they, that captured your imagination? Oh, gosh. I'm, I don't know. You, you can get back to me on that. Yeah, I, I like, there's a lot I like. Because you have another book coming out in 2023 entitled? Uh, there's always room for one more. Yeah, that's what is that about? It sounds like a Jewish folktale. <laughs> yeah, um, it is about. Jewish. Yeah, it's about a grandpa that's coming to live with the family, and <clears throat> they have to get a bigger table to allow for room for grandpa. And the little girl doesn't want to let go of the table and the memories that come with the table. 
Um, but she realizes that the new table will, and having grandpa there will bring new memories. They get to make new memories with all their neighbors and friends. That's so beautiful. You see, so we'll have another interview a year from now. Yeah. I, and then you, really you can cute. say, oh, Mel, a year ago, I wanted to tell you. So you'll have another opportunity. And you have another book coming out in 2024. You are yes. amazingly prolific. Oh, thanks. Yeah, last year I had a, I had a pretty good writing year. Um, that is Agatha Christie, uh, or it's called A Mind of Her Own, the story of Agatha Christie. And uh, she's just fascinating. I, I really connected with her when I was studying her or researching. I, we had so much in common. Oh, did, did you read Agatha Christie as a kid? I did not. I had read some as an adult and really liked it. Um, it, it, very, it's, I, I've never heard of a picture book on Agatha Christie. Yeah, I don't think, I think there might be one, one of those like little people, big world. There might be one of those. But, okay. um, so I, we will look yeah. forward to, to multiple annual interviews with Robin McGrath. There you go. But, you know, Agatha Christie is one of the best selling authors. She's third in line to Shakespeare and the Bible. Yeah, but I can't wait to see. Um, so I can't wait to, to see how you've sliced her life. Uh, but don't tell us because we want okay. to wait in suspension. So two years from now, you'll tell us who the killer is. <laughs> yeah, maybe. And, 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 and we'll wait. Okay, so you, you had your kids uh, who are now 10 and 12. Mm -hmm. And then you had this revelation. Now is the time to take writing seriously. Yeah, so I started taking classes, um, joined SCBWI. Uh, we have a great resource in Austin called The Writing Barn. And you do, and I've interviewed several barnyard people. Oh, good. Yeah, it's, um, it's just such a great resource, and you get to meet people from all over. And so I started taking classes. I took Bethany's very first picture book class when she first, like, kind of opened the barn. And... Um, just kind of from there. And then I, I got to a point where I felt like I needed more one-on-one um, -on -one instruction. So then I, I studied with Bethany one-on-one, -on -one. we worked together and um, I was, I just was writing fiction. That's all I wanted to write was fiction. And I had a picture book idea that I'd been telling her about. And finally she was like, okay, for your next assignment, you have to write that book. And I was like, oh, but I'm not ready to write nonfiction. And she said, you have three weeks to get me um, a draft. And I was like, okay. And so she's like, spend a week researching, spend a week writing, and then get it to me. And so I did. I wrote I was it. Like, this, this is the Dolly Parton book? No, this is, um, I don't want to say what it is because oh, okay. um, hopefully one day it'll sell. But so I wrote it and then she was like, this needs, this is like, needs to go on in submission. And I was like, oh, okay. So um, I started querying, I think it was like January 1st of 2019. And the first editor was interested in it and gave me an offer. And then um, I started- Robin, one second, this, this doesn't happen in this world. No, yeah, no, it was really fast. So you, you sent it to, to publishers, to agents, to whom? To agents. So I started, I was looking for an agent. 
so I had my list, you know, cause you got to do all the re that's a full-time job researching agents and who you want to send it to. So I had a list and I just started querying. I was like, okay, I'm going to start going down the list of agents. And so the first one emailed back within 24 hours interested. And so then I was like, okay, I got to get these other ones out. And then Bethany was like, well, I think Ruben Pfeffer might be interested in this. Let's pitch it to him. She's like, I'll pitch it to him. And then if he's interested, you can query him. So that's kind of the nice thing about working with someone, you know, like Bethany or they have some ends too. So I queried him with it. He wanted to see it. And so then he made an offer of representation. And so then I, you know, had a great choice between two agents and um, ultimately went with Ruben. Okay. You, you realize that this is a million to one, that you are a Dolly Parton so. in your own right. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, it's, it was... It's, it's, what, what are the chances? Like one in a million zillion. Um, and, and, you know, people might say, oh, you know, you found uh, Ruben Pfeffer and Amy Th uh, Thrall Flynn um, through a contact, but you had another agent interested from the slush pile. Right. I've never, like, I've interviewed almost 60 authors. I can't remember maybe more than one that had interest from the slush pile. That's incredible. Somebody who didn't know you just looked at your query letter. Yeah. So I, wow. the story has, hasn't sold. We've kind of shelved yeah. it since, but I always, I look at it as like, sometimes those stories that don't sell just still can be your stepping stone to, you know, it's the story that Absolutely. got me with agent. So if that's, you know. this is incredible. So, so, um, Amy is, a, is a, one of the best agents in the business. She's so amazing. And then what happened? How did this, story that you didn't sell morph into Dolly Parton that you did? So I, um, we, he's, Ruben sent it out on submission right away. And then I got to meet him at the writing barn. Uh, I think it was like that April maybe. And so he was such a delight to me. And then, you know, he was kind of like, well, what else do you want to write? Um, and so I, that night I like pitched him Dolly Parton. I was like, what do you think about this? And I'd done some research, you know, I went home and I was like, I don't see a whole lot on her. And he's like, okay, write it. So um, I started writing it. And then in the process, he introduced me to Amy and was like, Hey, I want you to meet Amy. She's got this great editorial background. And um, she was an associate agent at the time. And so he's like, I want y'all to kind of start working together. So now I work exclusively with Amy, but I have, you know, the amazing part is she still runs things by Ruben before they go out. So they get his. Okay. So, so you are, you are one of the 5,000 people who have an agent. Um, agents get five or 10,000 submissions a year and they pick a couple of authors to represent. Yeah. Um, so what is your grand old Opry take on this, Robin? Because you are a Dolly Parton of the children's book industry. Ooh, I mean, I, I definitely feel really grateful, you know, for where I landed and, and making the choice to go with Ruben and like. The, the people listening to this podcast want some insight. Like something concrete. It could be ephemeral. I don't care, but something, you know, 
they want to take something home from this podcast and say, oh, how did Robin do it? Should I stick a Y in my, in my name? What's Maybe. going on here? I mean, I think, like I said, it's a lot of work, right? So it's really narrowing down like what you have and who could be interested in that. And, you know, so sometimes you kind of have to like set the writing aside to do the work on like, who's the perfect agent for my work or, um, you know, and sticking with it. I mean, I queried for years and nothing, you know, and I think it just landed where I like, Okay, so here, we're getting now to the point, okay? This is the, like the, the turning point of our conversation, okay? When I read your Dolly Parton story, and it is wonderful, uh, and I understand why people fight to represent you, um, I'm thinking about all the other people who wanted to be Dolly Parton, and maybe they sang as well as she did, and maybe they played multiple instruments, and... Maybe they wrote their own songs, but she did it. You know, there's other writers out there that are really, really good. How do you become Dolly Parton? How do you become Robin McGrath? There's a secret here. So and I, I'm not going to stop interviewing people like you until I figure it out. Yeah, and I think it boils down to why you're the best person to tell the story. And, and how you connect to that story. Stop here. That's right? brilliant. Yeah, I'm going to say goodbye now. Why, <laughs> you're, why you're the best person to tell this story. So why are you the best person to tell the story of Dolly Parton? Did you grow up with 12 siblings? No. Did you grow up in the Appalachians? No. Are you a musician? No. No. But how many times was I told as a kid... You can't do something because you're just a kid. What, 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 when were you told that? You didn't mention that in our interview. Oh, oh yeah. I didn't mention that. Um, I know I was told I wasn't a good writer as a kid, you know, okay. that I struggled with writing. Um, spelling was really hard for me. See, um, psychologists, as you know, call these tormentors. The people who tell you you're not good enough. These are your tormentors. Yeah. And so and sometimes, sometimes they're more important than the mentors. Yeah. Oh, so, that Robin with a Y. She can't spell. She can barely spell her own name. Jeez. And I think like when I started researching Agatha, that was, I was, she was told she couldn't spell and she couldn't write. And then I was like, oh, like I totally connected with her too. Like that childlike being told you can't do something or. Is, is there a certain person who's your Nana Banana? Oh, what's without that? Me without mentioning names. What's like, a Nana Banana? Well, Nana Banana, at least in Israel and Canada, is like, you know, uh, somebody says, I bet you can't climb that hill. And then you climb the hill and you go, Nana Banana. Oh. Yeah, I'm not going to name any. I won't name any names. No, but generically, if there's a teacher, a friend of the family. I won't name any. I won't say. <laughs> Probably, okay. yeah. Yeah. Maybe next year. Maybe next. Year. Maybe next time. Um, Somebody yeah. who you. Yeah. yeah, and so I was talking with um, my editor who edited Agatha, and we were talking about another manuscript to write. And I had explained to her I was like I have concerns about 
researching this person because maybe I'm not the best person to tell the story. And we could get pushback on that. And I love that she said, you know, just you have to find what connects you to the story, right? So you don't have to tell all these other things, but what connects you, right? Like, and so I think that's the heart of it is why you're that person. How do you connect? And then when you connect something, was it you? I was listening to one of your podcasts the other day and someone was like, you know, you have to love. If it's a compliment, I surely hope so. Where did I hear it? But they were like, you have to be passionate and connected to your book or the story's not really there. You have to be your book. Yeah. That's what, that's what being rejected is so painful. Oh, I mean, and I will, I will say this. There's, I have several on submission right now and it's just rejection after rejection. So it's still there, right? There, you know, one day we got multiple rejections and I was like, we're on fire today. Like, so, it, you know, even though you have an agent doesn't mean everything's going to sell either. Yeah, but some does, Robin. Some does, yes. But... And, and this, is, this is a splendid book. So going back to Dolly, uh, what did you most connect with in, in the book and in your story? Is there a particular page? What does it for you? I think it was the, the part that clicked, because when I first wrote it, it was her whole life, right? And then having, but I think it was when I finally was reading her autobiography, um, how she just said, I was always told you're just a kid. You can't do this. And I was like, wow, Dolly, you know, here she is. Like she does whatever she wants and she's good at it. Um, and she was told she couldn't. And so I was like, I want kids to know that, you know, cause all of us are told that at some point in our life that we can't do something. So I would say that's what connected me. And so that's kind of the refrain in the book um, is you're just a kid and too young for the Opry. Would you like to read a little bit more? Would you like me to? Of your splendid book? Of course. Okay, let's see. Um, okay, so I'll read this page actually um, because this is her uncle Bill who was pivotal in her career and he actually just passed away this year. Um, so it was Uncle Bill on her mama's side who began to take notice of Dolly's musical talent. When Dolly received her first guitar, she learned some chords and everyone saw how quick she made a lick of it. Her music had cadence, harmony, and tempo. And that voice, sweet, soulful, and something fierce. And then here's something else I think kids can really relate to. At school, some kids picked on Dolly for being poor. They laughed and mocked the clothes her mama had sewn from scraps. But Dolly wiped away the tears. They couldn't stop her from dreaming. She turned her hurt feelings into lyrics and found a melody to match. Okay, stop here. Okay. You didn't grow up in a poor house. No. But, and yet when I read that book, uh, that is maybe the most poignant uh, a page for me. Oh, really? That, you know, her mom sewed her clothes out of scraps. Mm -hmm. No wonder the kids made fun of her. Poor Dolly. Yeah. She, she sure showed them. Um, mm -hmm. So the remarkable thing, I think, about her career um, is that she's, she maintained her dolliness. Um, mm -hmm. At least that's what I, that's what I infer. Um, and 
we're coming towards the close of our wonderful interview. Um, wonderful because of you and your craft. Um, does Dolly know about this wonderful book that you've written? So we are in the process of sending her a copy. So I don't know. I would, that's the big question I get is have I met her, you know, or did I have to ask permission? Um, and does she know about the book? And I, I would think she does, but maybe not. So we are sending her a copy. Um, the illustrator and I are signing it. And then our um, amazing editor, Christy Ottaviano at Little Brown is going to send her a copy. So hopefully she knows about it soon. And, and, and there's another, there's another sub story here because Dolly, the, the I don't think she has children of her own and no. she has su supported a huge organization of picture books for children. Yes. Two words Ima about that. Yeah. The imagination library, it provides um, books to young children. Um, I want to say like birth to age five. I could be wrong on that. Um, but it's just an amazing organization. And so we looked into it to send it to the Imagination Library and they choose books from, I want to say it's Penguin Random House. So um, if you're a Penguin Random House author, I guess you get to be kind of in the pool of Imagination Library books, but it's just her, Dolly's dad never learned to read. And so her biggest gift back to the world um, in honor of her dad was the Imagination Library and, and how important reading is to get you out of you know, poverty and the key to learning everything else. And the one thing that uh, struck me also, <clears throat> at least this is what I read, I don't know whether it's true, is that she can't read music, just like the Beatles. So, I don't know. Uh, how incredible I've, is that? I have never heard that. I'm going to have to look that up now. I read that somewhere. Interesting. And sometimes when you can't read music, you become a much better musician. Yeah, I mean, she can play up to seven different instruments, which is phenomenal. And um, we saw her in concert. She came to Austin, I don't know how long ago, but I mean, just brings you to tears. You I mean, should I run up to her, sign, autograph my book about you. <laughs> yeah, she's just, she's so soulful. And I looked at my best friend and I was there with my mom and we were just all crying. And she's just so amazing. Um, but yeah, she, you know, had a rough childhood. And I think, like I said, kids can relate to that being bullied. And, and I think one of my favorite things about her now is that you can't make fun of Dolly. She'll be the first to make fun of herself, which is really great. Uh -huh. And uh, this wonderful book about a girl who grew up in a family of 12 children, mm -hmm. written by an author who was an only child. It's all very, very, very interesting. Yeah. Um, so um, any tips before we sign off for aspiring authors? Um, let's see, let's go with write with what's in your heart. Um, I think the biggest one is like, just write, you know, get your butt in the, they say BIC, get your butt in chair. Um, and I think, writing and then editing later, right? Because we tend to like on the computer, we tend to edit as we write. So just writing. And then um, if you write, you're a writer. If you write, you're a writer. Yeah. Beautiful words. But what about all the people that are on? See, this is what intrigues me, okay? Um, 
you know, like we're climbing a path towards success in something, okay? In our case, as authors, and there's always further to climb. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are landmarks and, and you've reached a landmark. You know, your uh, Grand Ole Opry is this wonderful book that came out. And now it's the start of a, what I think is going to be a huge career. And this was also for young Dolly. This was a turning point. But what do you say to all the people who are on this path and do not know whether they will ever get to the landmark as you have? Mm-hmm. You want to think about this I for a year? Say, I want to say don't give up, but that sounds really cliche, right? Like, don't give up. Um, I mean, gosh. Were there terrible. times you wanted to give up, Robin? Oh, absolutely. Like, you know, why am I really doing this? You know, um, I love my day job. Do I need to do this? But then it's like, if I'm, if I'm not doing it, I'm pulled to it. So even when I do take a break, my mind is constantly um, thinking. But I think you just have to think of every manuscript as a stepping stone on the path. And, you know, not every manuscript is going to sell, but it's going to get you closer to where you need to be, Um, whether it's maybe an agent request more. And that's a big step, you know, or. Yeah, but we both know, Robin, that 99.9% of authors never get even an agent request. Really? Mm hmm. Ah, okay. So you don't know the statistics. I guess I don't know the statistics. Yeah. So, So here. Here are the statistics, okay? Um, Agents, let's say, get 5,000 manuscripts. They pick sometimes two or three authors. That's like one or two in a thousand. No, less than one one in a thousand. And they don't always sell and they don't always succeed. So the odds are less than one in a thousand. So so that's that's why I'm interviewing you, dear. Yeah, so then I... (laughs) Yeah, then I think my mind goes to, you know, making sure you're going to conferences and taking workshops where you're building those connections. Of, you know, especially you go to an SCBWI workshop, you get to query all those editors and agents afterwards, which is what I always did. Nothing One ever second, but So pay the extra money because it costs an extra amount of money. Not usually. Like you can, if you get a critique, you pay extra money. But usually if you go to the conference, I know here in Austin, you have the opportunity to submit for six months after the conference, right? So there's like that practice of submitting. So I always was like, I'm going to submit even though like it's good practice um, and nothing ever came of it. But I think those are the opportunities you have to look Hold for. on, something came of it. Something came of it, yeah. No, your, your story is very good because your the, the manuscript that you uh, haven't sold, that you want so desperately to sell, is the one that got you to become a traditionally published author. Right. So that's that's interesting because you never know which stone you have to mm-hmm. climb on or turn over or whatever. So this is good advice. Join SCBWI, go to the meetings, query... Uh, query, even if you have nothing to query, find something to query. Find something. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just practice. It's putting yourself out there, being prepared for the rejection. I mean, there's a lot of rejection in this business. 
okay, you have to be a little bit of a masochist. You have to enjoy this journey. <laughs> yeah. The sun is shining and you're sweating. And there may be an oasis and there may not be. Yeah, yeah, you have to enjoy it. And, and I think that's part of it, right? Your heart has to be in it. But think of every step you take as a stepping stone towards the goal. and The goal which you may or may not get to. True, yeah. <laughs> this has been right. remarkable. Um, Robin, I wish you lots of luck. Thanks. Um, and please uh, keep in touch. And uh, let me know when your next book launches. Uh, because this is a this is a fiction. It is fiction, yeah. And uh, so I want to talk about where that book came from of the grandfather coming to stay and having to change tables. Yeah. But let's do that next year. All right, sounds good. And then and then and then we should be healthy two years from now. Agatha Christie. Yeah. But don't tell us who done it. Mm-mm. You have Robin, to pull it all together. Oy vey. Take care of yourself. It was great. And uh, share your uh, wisdom and share your joy of life and share your writing. And uh, it's been great talking to you. All right. Thanks, Mel. Thanks for having me. Bye. My pleasure. Bye-bye.